0: Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning I'm excited to continue our study in Hebrews chapter 11. Of course, looking at faith and verses 1 through 3, which we're coming to verse 3 here today, are really foundational, and then we really start to get into these great men who are in this hall or chapter of faith, and we're going to be looking and seeing how they applied faith to their life, but we do need to build the foundation that is important. But before we get into Hebrews chapter 11, I want to continue our scripture reading, and so that means we're coming to James chapter 3 today. James chapter 3, and it says this, starting in verse 1 of James chapter 3, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. "'For we all stumble in many things. "'If anyone does not stumble in word, "'he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. "'Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouths "'so that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. "'Look also at ships. "'Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, "'they are turned by a very small rudder, "'wherever the pilot desires.'" For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and of creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you... Have bitter and envy and self-seeking in your hearts. Do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every little thing are there." But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And that brings us to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. And it says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. See, faith, of course, that's something that we need. It affects our testimony. We looked at that yesterday, and today we're looking at the idea that faith affects our understanding. Faith affects our understanding, and this is important, and of course, that we need to remember what faith is. I'm going to drive this home. If you listen to every single one of these podcasts in this series, you're going to know that faith is a title or a deed, and it has real evidences. Real faith has real evidences, and real faith is like a title or a deed. It's a promissory note. That we may not have what the note is promising right here, right now in our hands, but because it's written down in that note, we know that it is good, and so we grab a hold of it. And like I said, real faith and its real evidences, so we act as though we have it. We walk in the promises of God. Now, we come to this verse, verse 3. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. And this brings us to a truth, and that is that the world is created, and that means that our God is the Creator. So that means our world is of design, and that means that we should live our life like there is a Creator. Now, Just like with faith, there is real evidences. There is real evidences of creation as well. And I'm going to point out just two animals here that by design, if you look at their design, there is no doubt that they are designed, just as I mentioned, and that they had to have come through creation. It couldn't be one of these things that they evolved over millions and billions of years or something like that, but they had to be created. The first one is is the kangaroo. See, the kangaroo, the mother keeps the young joey in her pouch, and this allows those uh, in the desert to travel long distances to get food and to get water and things like that. I mean, this is kind of pretty simple here. There's protection inside the mother's pouch, and this also protects not just from harsh environments, but also from predators. Now, some species of kangaroo can delay the development of a fertilized egg until the older joey is out of the pouch. The doe can also determine the sex of her offspring. She has females at the beginning of her life and males near the end of her life. See, this is because females stay longer, whereas in males, they, they, they go and they leave uh, sooner. The joey, is born after the gestation period of just 35 days. And this means that of the largest species of kangaroo at that point in time, the size of that joey is about the size of a human thumbnail. Think about how important it is for that joey to stay inside the pouch. And that's the largest species. The smallest size, the smallest species is about the size of a grain of rice. Now the joey being naked and blind must travel from the birth canal to the pouch unassisted and if all goes well this takes a grand total of 30 or excuse me of 10 minutes. The joey then can only survive for a short time without getting to the pouch and then finding the doe's nipple and attaching itself there and the lips of the joey swell and this creates a strong attachment. In fact, so much of a strong attachment that if it is, uh, it is seriously injured if you were to detach the joey from its mother. The pouch then has a ring of strong muscles that allow the pouch to be waterproof and keep the, the joey inside the pouch from bouncing out. Now, evolution would have you believe that the kangaroo came from the possum family. Now, just think about that for a moment. A possum doesn't have this kind of a pouch. A possum doesn't have many of these designs that the kangaroo has. And if the kangaroo didn't have its amazing, miraculous pouch, if it had to develop that over you know millions of years and at some point in time have a non-functional pouch or half a pouch or something like that, well, what would happen? The species would die. If the kangaroo didn't have the muscles in the pouch, what would happen? Well, the species would die. If the kangaroo couldn't determine the sex of its offspring, what would happen? Well, most likely the species would die off. If the kangaroo couldn't delay the development of the fertilized egg, uh, then the doe wouldn't be able to take care of all of its young. And so what would happen? The species would die. It is extremely specifically designed and it had to be designed. It couldn't come by random chance. The next creation that I want you to look at is that of camels. See, camels, they were created to survive in the desert. That's why you don't see very many of them in Iowa. And they they have bushy eyebrows. They have, which keeps the sand out of their eyes. They have nostrils that they can open and close, keeping sand, once again, out of their their nose. And they can, interestingly, control their body temperature. Now, this, of course, is very important when you're in a desert because the desert is extremely hot during the day, but then it gets quite chilly at night. And camels, when it comes to water, which is something that camels are very well known for, they can drink more than 20 gallons of water in a 10-minute period. Now this would kill almost all other mammals if they were to go into drink twenty gallons of water in that short of a time. I remember as a kid growing up, uh, uh, hearing a couple of stories of people, and these are from watching the news, you know, going and seeing this of people who died through a water drinking contest, seeing who could drink the most water in the fastest amount of time. What ended up happening was that they drowned themselves. But camels, on the other side, they're designed to be able to take in a ton of water in a very short amount of time. Camels also have oval-shaped red blood cells, which allow them to store this water. It's not just the outward physical traits, but it's also their inward genetics and design that they have that, once again, is so important and works together. But this allows them to go for long periods of time without becoming dehydrated, and this also allows them uh, to not have their cells ruined through osmosis if they were when they drink all that water in such a short amount of time. Now, of course, they do store fat in, in their humps, and this allows them to uh, metabolize fuel for long trips without food in the desert. Um, but this also plays off of the oval bloodstream. Uh, shaped cells over blood cells that are oval-shaped as it takes the water to metabolize the energy. Now, I want you to realize something here. This is way too specific to have evolved. This is way too specific to have evolved. What happens if the camel has oval-shaped blood cells, but isn't able to store fat in its hump. Well, what's going to happen if it only has one of the two traits, which by definition evolution would say that you have to, you know, you can't just bloop, go and have all these these traits. You You have to kind of acquire them slowly. Well, what happens if you have one and you don't have the other? Well, one's useless without the other. Either the camel's going to starve to death because it can't store up the energy in its hump, the fat in the hump, or it can't metabolize that fat, which then probably causes all kinds of other health issues. You go and you look at this other idea. I mean, sure, you might evolution might go out and, and say, look, it, it didn't have bushy eyebrows and now it does. Aha, see? Which we have no evidence of that. But you stop and you realize it's not just the bushy eyebrows. It's not just the nostrils that can open and close. It's not just that they can control their body temperature. It's also those blood cells. It's also that they can store fat in their hump. It's even if you were to go to look at the way that a, a camel goes and and runs or the way that their, their hooves go and expand when they hit the sand, it's, it's all of these things that show that they're clearly designed for their environment. But if they didn't have one of those things, it's, it's going to be extremely detrimental to the species. And depending on which one we're talking about, it very well would kill the species They had to have gained all of these traits at one point in time, which points us to a truth, and that is God created them. They had to have a designer. They had to have a maker. God created them, and by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by God, by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made which, with things which are visible. And this speaks to multiple other truths, which I don't know if we have time to get into all of them, but a couple of really big ones is, one, the power of the Word of God. What is the earth framed by? The Word of God. See, faith, it affects our understanding, not just of the world that it was in, in design, but also that it was in design at the command of the word of God, which means that this world is under the authority of our God. He created the world by speaking. It obeyed his word. Also, so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. What does this speak to? It means that we have an understanding of a truth, that there is a spiritual realm, there is a spiritual dimension, that there is a greater part than just this physical earth. There was something that existed before, and that is the spiritual realm or that spiritual dimension that, that God has and that God dwells in. We understand that there is a spiritual reality to this physical world. There is a spiritual reality. There is something more than just this earth. And this earth was created in obedience to the word of God. Man, isn't that cool? Isn't that neat to just go and to stop and to think about all of that? And these are foundational beliefs for the Christian. If the Christian doesn't believe uh, in the idea that this world is under the authority of the Word of God, well, then we're going to have a major, major issue, because then who is God, and why should we listen to him? We shouldn't listen to him if, if he's not the ultimate authority, but he is the ultimate authority, and so we can listen to him. And this whole earth goes and says that because they are in obedience. This whole earth, this whole world is in obedience to God. We look at this idea uh, that, that it's in obedience to his word, but then also that there's this reality of the spiritual realm. Our faith grasps this. We understand this, and we live our life in accordance to these two truths, that God is the creator, he's the designer, and he is the ultimate authority, and then also the truth that there is something more than what we see with our eyes. See, ultimately, faith affects our worldview. It affects our worldview. How we are going to view this world. Are we going to believe the Word of God? Or are we going to reject the Word of God? Are we going to look out and say, I will view this world through the lens that God tells me in His Word? Or are we going to view the world through our own lens. Are we going to say that I believe God is right in what he said in his word? Well, if we're going to do that, it only comes through faith. It only comes through faith. Now, this isn't a wishing upon a star kind of a faith. This is really looking at the title or the deed, what God has promised us, laying hold of it, In living our life with real evidences, but we can also compare the evidences of this world. That's why I gave the example of the camel. It's why I gave the example of the kangaroo. We can go and look out and see real evidences of this world that it really does reflect a creator in the laws that our creator put forth. Every natural law is in accordance with the word of God. Because God is a God of order, and he speaks to several of these laws within his word. I wish we had time to go and to dig into all of that and to really look at the apologetics, but we don't have time for that this morning. But I do want to thank you for listening today, and I hope that you understand through faith that the world was framed by the word of God, and that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And you live your life in the reality that there is a designer and an ultimate authority in this earth and his name is Jesus. And that you live your life inside the reality that there is a spiritual realm. And that means that there's an eternity to think about and not just this material, temporal world. Well, thank you for listening today, and remember Joshua 1, 8, 9, as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome. So that. One...